Welcome to the Nonfiction Podcast. I'm Matt Buzateri. And we're back. The podcast has been on a little hiatus for the end of the summer and the very start of the fall, but I'm really happy to say that we're back. I've got a bunch of new episodes lined up and ready to go, and I think we've got some great episodes coming up. Starting with this one. On this episode, I'm talking with Jessica Contrera, the author of 13 Right Now. This is a story that appeared in the Washington Post in May of this year. And it looks at how teenagers are using social media and the mobile web. And it focuses on one 13-year-old girl who lives in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. Um, it's part of a series of stories on this topic uh, by the Washington Post. But I felt like this one really tackled this topic in a little more of a personal way. And I think it's, it's a fantastic read. Um, it's written by Jessica Contrera. She's a staff writer at the Washington Post. Let me give you a brief excerpt from the story. Catherine Palmer Renning's iPhone is the place where all of her friends are always hanging out. So it's the place where she is too. She's on it after it rings to wake her up in the mornings. She's on it at school when she can sneak it. She's on it while her eight-year-old sister Lila is building crafts out of beads. She sets it down to play basketball, to skateboard, and to watch PG-13 comedies, and sometimes to eat dinner. But when she picks it back up, she might have 64 unread messages. Now she's on it in the living room of her big house in McLean, Virginia, while she explains what it's like to be a 13-year-old today. Quote, over 100 likes is good for me, and comments. You just comment to make a joke or tag someone, end quote. The best thing is the little notification box, which means someone liked, tagged, or followed her on Instagram. She has 604 followers. There are only 25 photos on her page because she deletes most of what she posts. The ones that don't get enough likes, don't have good enough lighting, or don't show the coolest moments in her life must be deleted. So if you haven't already read the rest of the story, I really recommend it. It's uh, one of the best things I've read in a while. It's not that long. So pause the show, check it out online. You can find it uh, in the show notes or at my website at nonfictionpodcast.com. Go ahead and read it, come back and uh, listen to the interview. Otherwise, that's fine. Just fair warning, when I talk with Jessica about the story, we do go into depth about what happens in the story, what's revealed in the story. So it may spoil some of that for you. But if you don't mind that, or if you've already read it, let's get going. Now, without further delay, here's my interview with Jessica Contrera. Jessica Contrera. I'm talking with Jessica Contrera of the Washington Post about her story, 13 Right Now, which appears in a four-part series called The Screen Age, which focuses on what it means to grow up in an era where learning, flirting, and hanging out all happens on screens. Uh, and this story profiles uh, one 13-year-old girl, Catherine Pomeranning, who's in many ways a typical teenager, uh, in some ways not typical at all. Jessica, thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. We were talking a little bit before we started recording, and, uh, and I mentioned that I'm a father of a eight-year-old and a six-year-old daughter uh and so to some to some degree this, yes and so to some degree this story and this whole series is kind of harrowing to me to try to process how teenagers and young people are dealing with 
the constant screens around us. Mm-hmm. So obviously it's a big topic that, that a lot of people are thinking about. And with this story in particular, how did this come to be? How did you wind up focusing on this one young woman? Yeah, so uh, just what you said was sort of fa- is fascinating to me, not as a parent, but as um, you know, somebody who like, I feel like it wasn't like I'm I'm ten years older than Catherine, so it wasn't like I feel like we're not that far apart. But her life is so much different than than mine was at that age, and that was super. And I have cousins her age and and stuff, and so it was super fascinating to me. Um, and, um, I'm on this, uh, really, really lucky to be on this wonderful team at the post that we get together every week and, you know, talk about what we're working on. And, um, I don't even remember what the, the topic of the meeting was supposed to be about. Um, but one of my colleagues, Caitlin Gibson, who's incredibly talented. And I just started like getting off on this rant in this meeting about, Oh, and did you know that kids are doing this and this and that or whatever? And (laughs) I think our bosses were like, okay, I think that sounds like like, a separate conversation you guys need to have like elsewhere. (laughs) Oh wow! Um, and so we, cause we just kept going on. And then so after that, we were like, this is really, we should do something. We should really do something about this and, and do a series. And um, and so we are really lucky to have, you know, their everybody's support. And so um, Caitlin and I started working on this, like, right at the end, tail end of last year and started kind of planning what we wanted um, in terms of how do we tell, how do we do talk about, you know, this generation and, and talk about how they're substantially different than past generations and do it actually from their perspective. Like we are very wary of like these like kids these days, you know, blah, blah, and <laughs> get off my, you know, like I, right. I, I've read so much or like kind of scare tactic, like you'll never believe like what kids are doing on their phone. You know, we don't want it to be any of that. We want right. it to be like, this is what it's like for them um, as best that we could. And so um, one thing I knew I wanted to do right away was just do this, like, <laughs> you know, he, there's no news, quote unquote, to this piece, but like, here's a 13 year old and here we're going to go really deep in your life, in her life. And so you can either see in her what you see in your own kids or what you remember being 14 yourself, but you can see how much her life is a little bit different um and his or her life we kind of we kind of knew at that point we would end up going with a girl because girls um are dealing with a lot more of this stuff i think a little bit earlier because Mm -hmm. of the social aspect that it's at play it definitely affects um boys in a in a different way and we're actually going to keep we're still working on the series and have some stories that are focused on on boys coming but um so we just wanted to, I started interviewing, like we wanted to know what stories we should do and what we should be focusing on. So we just started like emailing people and being like, Hey, do you know any teenagers? Can we talk to them? Like, um, and we, you know, emailed and our emails got passed from person to person to person. And we would interview, you know, interview kids all around DC and in Baltimore. Um, and I was just learning a ton and also just keeping my ear out, I guess, for like, a kid who I thought was really kind of self-aware um, and also had, uh, could, could could show with their life, like the way that all of this, like, you know, stuff, it's not frivolous. It's not like, oh, you know, I don't even know what to, what to compare it to. Like, it's not just like a fun and games kind of thing. Like the way that their lives are, are centered in, in this, like their phone is really more like a place, right? It's a place that they go to with their friends 
all the time. Um, right. And so when I met Catherine through, you know, I'd interviewed one of her classmates and then I, you know, I asked every person I interviewed, Oh, who else can I talk to? Um, and, um, that family was gracious enough to, to connect me with the Palmer Runnings. And I, um, talked with Catherine on the phone once, and then I met her and her dad in person at their house once. And after that, I kind of, I kind of felt, you know, you get that feeling like, okay, I think this could be, I think she's, she could be really good. Okay. And you know, um, let me stop you there for a second. You know, yeah. I, I usually, Sorry, have a, I, no, 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 you're, you're doing great. Um, <laughs> I usually, I, I have a little bit of a disclaimer at the start of the podcast, but, but I always warn people that, that if they haven't read the article, there's going to be some spoilers. Uh, the reason I add that extra disclaimer is just because I'm curious now, one thing I loved about this story was I read the first third of it thinking I knew exactly what you were doing. You know, the, the subtitle mm-hmm. of the story was, this is what it's like to grow up in the age of likes, LOLs and longing. And I was thinking, oh, I get it. She kind of followed around a teenager and she saw how much they're on their phones or their tablets. And we're going to realize like, you know, in some ways what you first described is kind of like a more superficial look at this, right? Uh, and it was well written, but then the, you get to the middle of the article and, and you revealed that, that her mom passed away. Her mom died of cancer. And so mm-hmm. suddenly it kind of pivots and it becomes a very different story. And it's, a, it's kind of a profile of this, this young girl and how she's dealing with this and how she's reacting to this devastating change in her life, but also surrounded nonstop with all these social media things. I'm, I'm wondering, did you know about her mom from the get-go? Did you learn that as you were talking to her? Um, yeah, so I did know about her mom before I met her. And um, yeah, so it, it's, an, it's an interesting thing when you're, choo- I guess, choosing a character, if you will, <laughs> right? Because there is there there is no typical 13-year-old, you know? Right. I could look and look and look and everybody would say, well, but this person has this. And, and there are a couple of things about Catherine that, you know, like I mentioned, she was incredibly self-aware and, and her dad was totally understanding of what we were trying to achieve, you know, that this yeah. was a thing that, you know, by, by spending time with her, I could understand things for other parents and for other kids. But, um, yeah, she was, um, their family was, was, uh, wealthier than, you know, I had set out to, to find, um, someone who is maybe a little bit more middle income. Um, and yeah, the, the thing about her mom, I get, that's not something that happens for every kid, but kids and families do go through stuff, right? Whether it's, you know, um, like something as big as losing your mom or something, um, you know, I was talking with a teenager yesterday who's like, deciding if he's transgender, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, and <laughs> you, uh, the kids go through these things and social media is now completely intertwined with that, you know, how they cope, how they get their information, how they tell their friends, you know, whether they're talking to their dad or they're talking to their friends on their phone. And, and I thought that, Catherine going through this and going through this at a time right when she's learning, uh, right when she's, you know, getting a phone and starting to communicate and starting to figure out who she is was incredibly telling of stuff that I'm sure other families are going through, even if they don't lose a parent, you know, something as big as that. 
um, I was really moved by that, really curious about how she was doing and how she was coping. And, and so whenever my curiosity is super peaked like that, and I want to spend a lot of time with someone that that makes me know that they're a good subject for a story and that they're open to it too. Of course, I, I wouldn't be able to do this if, if the, um, their whole family hadn't have been so kind and understanding of me being like, Hey, I'm going to show up at your house at 5 45 AM. Cool. Okay, great. See you then. <laughs> How, how much time did you actually wind up spending with Catherine? Um, um, not as much as I would like, <laughs> you know, I think, uh, I had all these ideas, like at the beginning of this, I'm like, I am young and cool. And like, we're going to just like <laughs> hang out. Like, no, she thinks I'm like ancient. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I like, uh, I met them in, um, I met them in, First, I think at the end of January, started hanging out with her like mid-February and then um, mid-February to like early April. So like a month and a half, two months, I would go over there like maybe once a week. Um, so how do, you, I, how, do you, how do you hang out with her? Like what was that like? You, were you just kind of <laughs> lurking over her shoulder? Were you sitting <laughs> next to her? I'm trying to imagine, you know, how you did this without her being creeped out or... Yeah. I mean, first off, like I'm really straightforward with her, you know, I'm like, okay. So the first times we met, right. We were just sitting there talking, you know, um, like there's that scene, the second scene where like she comes home after school and like, she's just telling me about like her phone and how, you know, all those like secret social codes of Instagram. Right. Um, you know, that's her, we're sitting on the couch and she's just talking to me. Um, and then, after that, you know, I start to explain to her, like, look, I, it's cool. I let, this is so helpful when we hang out, but, or when, when you're talking to me like this, but, you know, I need to kind of like see you like live your life, you know, like sometimes just come and hang around and you don't really, we don't really have to talk, but you just do your thing and I'll just be there. So after you do that for a little while, she starts, you know, to not really care that you're there and just kind of ignore you, which is perfect you know um so that first scene like when she's just getting in the car after school and you know that might have happened a couple of times but I kind of figured out along the way okay she usually sits in the front seat and so uh, unless she asked me like oh do you want to sit in the front front seat and I'm like no that's what you normally do so you sit there Mm -hmm. and then if I sit in the back seat behind the driver then I can see what she's doing on her phone you know, right when she gets in the car. Um, so are you just peeking yeah. over the seat? And like, because like you mentioned that, <laughs> you, me- you mentioned that scene. That's, I think it's the third paragraph of the piece. And it runs through this long list of what she watches and browses and does on her phone for like 10 minutes on her ride home, right? And I'm mm-hmm. just wondering, were you just sitting there with a notepad jotting down like, okay, BuzzFeed, now Janet Jackson story, now, yeah. you know, yeah. Spotify. No, it's... It's exactly what it sounds like. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wasn't like totally. Cre- I mean, I could just. It was just the way. The I don't know. It was like a station wagon. Like uh-huh. I could just see it without like looking too creepy. Right. right? right. But she right. knew what I was doing. Like there sure. was an understanding that I was always checking, like checking on her phone. And when she was doing stuff, sometimes like not in that particular situation, but she'd be doing stuff and she would like smile, and I'd be like, "What?" And you know, she would just know I want to see what's on her phone. You know. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, but I I mean, I will say too, like, you know, there was definitely stuff like I really wanted to like hang out with her friends and she would be like, yeah. And then 
she would always like blow me off when we were going to do that, you know, and I wanted to go to school with her, but her school wasn't cool with that. So there was definitely a lot of stuff that I didn't get that I thought was going to be, I was like so devastated, but you know, it worked, it worked out because, um, there's only so much you can, you know, well, at least in a newspaper, there's only so many words that you get. Was she open to talking about her mother? No, no. So that was another thing that was like, uh, really, really difficult because, when, um, so when this started, um, you know, I went to her school and I, uh, talked to them about what I wanted to do and they were cool with it and, um, they were like oh, excited. And then they, um, the schools, like the, the principal or the head, I don't know what it's called of uh, the school was like, went to Catherine's dad and said, I don't think this is going to be good for her. You know, she's still getting over her mom and, and, you know, she's going to ask about it and it's going to be bad. And her dad was like, look, I, I completely disagree. Like, frankly, if you can get her to talk about her mom, I would be super thankful because she won't talk about it. So then we had to have kind of have this conversation of like, well, like, look, like I'm not a therapist. Like I, you know, I'm going to ask her about it, but she's 13, you know, and this is going to be in the Washington post. So if she doesn't want to talk about it, I'm not going to make her talk about it, you know? Um, and so I tried in like a couple different ways. Like there would be times like, like when we would go up to her room and she had these pictures of her mom and I would ask her about them and she might say a few things and then she would just leave. She would just walk away, you know, or, um, well, she has every right to do. And, and so there was one time when her and I, I took her out to dinner and, um, you know, uh, brought it up and you, she was just really quiet and, you know, and my like, all of my reporting, reporting training says, okay, just be quiet. Like I didn't say anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause eventually most people, they all just like, they'll just talk, you know, eventually yeah. because you're just being quiet, but she didn't. And she just stayed quiet. And, and it was, it was like, we were quiet for like 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> and I just took that as, yeah, I know it sounds a little weird, but like, um, but I just took that as like, she's this is just not going to happen. You know, she, she kind of crumpled, like I described in the story and she kind of, her eyes well up, but she doesn't cry. And so everything I, that we talked about was in the story and everything. And then, you know, I just kind of made it clear, like she's not going to talk about it. And maybe that is because of where she's at with like social media and that kind of stuff. But I think it's also that it really, really sucks to lose your mom when you're 13. Yeah. And I don't think I would have handled that. I think it would have handled it far worse than she's handling it. So I just kind of gave her, like, I was just doing my best to respect her and, and, and put it out there. Like she wanted it to be put out there and not push her anymore. So it sounds like she, she made a clear boundary around that topic mm-hmm. as you were reporting it. How did you overall though, it seems like you, you clearly established a little bit of trust and comfort with her. How did you get it to the point where she could have you around and it obviously wasn't a problem? I think I hope what helped was just treating her like she's an adult, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think, and I mean, that's something that we wanted to do with these stories is like take kids seriously. They're, what's that like David Bowie line about kids being like totally aware of their situations. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's how I, you know, like you, you, I tried to tell her like, Hey, this is why I want to like sit in the back of the car with you. This is why I want it. Cause like, I want to people to see what your life is really like, you know, or this is why I want to talk about this. This is what I remember from my childhood. Mm-hmm. 
how is that different than what you're dealing with um, right. and stuff? Um, and there were definitely times where I felt like she wasn't trusting me or didn't want me around and that kind of stuff. But I just had to take those cues from her, right. you know, she, right. but she, and she was also, she's very, she's a super smart kid. She's awesome. And she's like, look, like she would be like, <laughs> she'd be like, I'm going to go downstairs and do homework now. And I'd be like, okay, can I come with you? She'd be like, no, I think we're done today. <laughs> and I would be like, all right, see you later. I'll call an Uber now. Like, <laughs> you know, right. Right. So, so it sounds like you spent a good amount of time with her. How did you know when you had enough mm -hmm. to, to do the story? Um, that is a good question. My editor told me so, I think is the <laughs> honest answer. Um, because I was like, Oh, I want to hang out with her friends. Like she hasn't let me do that yet. Like, um, you know, maybe if I stay longer, she'll, she'll talk about her mom and you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but I knew I had a couple of things that you need for a story. Right. So I, I knew when I had that, um, that uh, scene of her in the car and I was able to kind of watch everything she was doing on her phone, that that would be a good open. Oh, you know what? I say that and I lied. I actually had a different top to the story and my editor actually recognized that um, Rich Leiby, he's the greatest, um, uh, recognized that that one scene with her on her phone would be the top of the story. Um, and then I knew I wanted her birthday to be the end of the story. As soon as I found out that um, like when we were reporting that she, you know, had a birthday coming up and she was going to turn 14. Um, and we had already talked about this idea that like birthday posts are a big deal, you know, who right. posts pictures of you. And there's this whole, you know, we didn't even get into this as much in the story, but there's this whole like kind of social code with the birthday posts of like, okay, who posts, who just comments. And when they post a picture of you, is it a nice picture of you? Or is it like, you know, kids take like so many goofy pictures of themselves. <laughs> yeah. So I actually do this thing where they, like she would like post like this really crazy looking picture of her friend, but it would only be up for like 30 minutes, you know, <laughs> and then she would take it down. So there's just a lot of pressure on birthdays and that's not what I like about that is that that there's like I remember I used to like make signs on people's lockers you know when I was in eighth grade I would make <laughs> right. them birthday signs right and then I would feel like oh well I made so-and-so a sign so I have to make this person a sign you know and there was this <laughs> whole like pressure to it and that's that's it except for now she's posting it and 600 people see it you know it's not my 23 classmates and that's probably the, um, that's probably the equivalent of the locker to them right I mean Exactly. It's funny. I think the last episode I talked to a writer from the New York Times that did a story about Minecraft. And he was talking about. Oh, I love you know, that story. You know, there, yeah. there, there's some people that are saying, you know, their, their parents are like, oh my God, why is my kid spending all this time in Minecraft talking to all these strangers? Mm -hmm. Why are you doing this? And mm -hmm. it's just alien to them. But, but, you know, what he found was that this is the equivalent of them going to the mall. This is the equivalent of them going to the kind of place that people that grew up in the 80s or 90s thought of as social. Like, it's just a different. It's just a different way they look at being social than than older generations would. Yeah, you're so spot on there. Um, that's exactly you know that's exactly what it is. So that's why I wanted that piece to be the end of the story. So I knew I had that, and I. Um, well, and what did that, that mean? What, what did that mean to you? Like I I really liked the ending, but when you felt like what were you trying to show in that final scene of her, you know, looking at those things on her birthday morning? 
I liked the idea of ending it with her waiting for that to happen because like, I didn't want this to feel like this is one of those stories where like, there was like, I like wrapped this present for you and like, this was putting the bow on it. And Mm. now you feel like, Oh, like everything is good. You know, like, no, this is her life. Like she's constantly like, I wanted the end to feel like you knew that this would like, everything would go on like this. Like while you were reading this, she was still like checking her phone, you know, and that kind of stuff. Um, so, so I liked that. And I also just feel like there's like this cross of 13 into 14, which is a little bit like, oh, that's when you're going to high school and, you know, and, and, and then everything shifts a little bit. You know, what I found to be so fascinating was, so I have, um, a 14, uh, now turning 15 year old cousin. Mm -hmm. So she's a year older than Catherine. And she's she was finishing up her freshman year of high school, so I had her read the story before it came out. Um, I got approval to do that because I just wanted to know if I had gotten it, and I trust her immensely. And so, and she, um, her name's Jill. She lives in Ohio, and so she texts me, and she was like, "So this is like exactly what my life was like a year ago." <laughs> and she's like, "But high school, everything changes." Like I was like, what do you, what do you mean? And she was like, I was like, do you mean like, I got it, I got it wrong. Like everything's changed cause it's been a year. And she's like, no, no, no. Like when high school, like, like who likes your picture, like that matter, like that changes and, and what, which pictures you post changes. And, but like, this is, this is exactly how my life was a year ago. <laughs> oh wow! And I just thought like, that's, you know, I, I liked that idea of like, this is a thing kids are perpetually going to deal with. And I think that you have this quote in the piece that kind of blew me away. And it, it, it touches on this idea of how they differentiate like their teenage years. Like uh, I'm in my 40s. So when I look back at like 13, 14, 15, 16, that all sort of mushes together. My brain is like the same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you read yeah. this article, it's clear for, for, to them. It's huge. These are big changes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you have, mm-hmm. this, you have this quote. I'm just going to read these two paragraphs. The whole world is at her fingertips and has been for years. This Catherine offers as a theory one day is why she doesn't feel like she's 13 years old at all. She's probably like 16. And then the quote is, I don't feel like a child anymore, she says. I'm not doing anything childish. At the end of sixth grade, when all her friends got phones and downloaded Snapchat, Instagram, and Twitter, quote, I just stopped doing everything I normally did, playing games at recess, playing with toys, all of it, done. And... um, yeah, I mean, that just like was like a punch in my stomach reading that quote because I Me mean, too. You know, and, um, did you know when you had that, like, oh, my God, that's like almost at the crux of the story, that quote of how she's changing? Yeah, yeah, totally. We had the, she said that, that that day that I took her out to dinner. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's on one hand, right, I think when I was 13, I thought that I was so much older and cooler than I was. Right. So that's kind of the, that familiarity of, of what everyone goes through that I was looking for. Um, but then there's the sense that these kids are growing up faster. Um, you know, one thing the story gets out a little bit is they're seeing, you know, whereas I can look back on my uh, pictures of being that age and think like, oh, I look so awkward. You know, I didn't really know how to dress or how to do my hair or whatever. And I, and I look at these kids now, I'm like, why do they look so old? But they, 
they are seeing, you know, on their, like in their hands all the time next to their pictures of their friends, like exactly, you know, how they're quote unquote supposed to look, right? Like what's cool right now. And, and then like, I had all brothers, I had no idea how to do my makeup, you know? Um, but if I was that age now, I would just get on YouTube and, you know, have eight billion tutorials at my fingertips, right. To teach me how to do, how to look a certain way. Um, and so, and that's just on, you know, that's just sort of these like surface level appearance things. You know, you can look at that for everything, uh, learning about the world and, and learning about sex and learning about, you know, everything is, is right there for them. And so there, there's really no, unless their parents are viciously guarding it, which I think is impossible. Um, there's, there's really no stopping them from, from growing up faster than, than was possible before. Right. So you, you, you talked about the reporting and all this, all these interviews you did with her and all this hanging out you did with her. Tell me about your writing process. How did you shape all this stuff into the, the story you have? It was painful and terrible. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm much more, I much more enjoyed the reporting part of it than the writing part. But, but I, I'm a big outliner. So everything, um, you know, I like gather all the notes that I have and then um, try I start with probably like a very you know like here are my sections and here's kind of like one to three words that defines like what this section is going to be about um, and and then um, I sort of expand that out into a more detailed outline until I get to a point where my outline is almost completely like the story is there but it's not written very well and then I go through and actually like write the thing mm-hmm. um and um and then I you know I turned that in and then I had um you know my editor give me back a lot of like um I, we talk the, the the big edit on this was like more of like the feeling of the story like mm-hmm. he, he's this is why I love this guy Libby uh, Richard Richard Libby at the post he like came over and he sat at my desk and he was like what are the like what are the words that describe this story and I was just like I don't know I can't you know <laughs> and, and he wrote down I think I still have it somewhere he wrote down like um like I think the words were like connection and absence and longing. And that's like so apt, right? Like Mm -hmm. to what the feeling of it is about. So then I did another draft where I I think was significantly improved of just like trying to get, trying to get at that, like, how does she feel and, and how, um, you know, how does it feel to be 13 um so I watched the movie 13 (laughs) I listened to some like Jack's Mannequin which was my favorite band when I was that age and I was like just trying to get into it so I don't really know if that worked but um but yeah that was pretty much you know I think we spent a couple weeks writing and editing and revising and stuff and then I um I went through uh the entire story with Catherine and her family so um I Yes. So I, is that, is that something you normally would do? Uh, I, not to the extent that I did it. So Uh I I feel very strongly that like, obviously we don't let people read the story before it comes out. Um, and the story is not for them, right? It's for readers, but I feel very strongly that when somebody has given you the time and the trust to, you know, to like uh, all the things that they allowed me to do, that it's my, you know, job to for them is to to make sure that I got it right 
Right. Um, and this is a story, especially where, you know, a lot of this is my inference of, okay, she told me this and I observe this. And so I'm trying to write it like, you know, this is how she feels. So I'm not going to just like assume that I got it right. That's like, seems really cocky and terrible to me. So I would like, went over there and basically read not only like read them all the quotes, but I I also didn't want them to have any surprises. Um, You know, this is incredibly personal stuff, especially the stuff about her mom's death. And so I sort of just like went through, okay, the beginning starts like this. And then I would read them parts that I had written that I felt like I was taking what they said and, you know, paraphrasing or trying to, to say it in a better way and that kind of stuff. And I would say, does that, you know, does that sound right to you? Did I get it right? You know, that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So, um, I, I think that makes the story a lot better and also is just sort of paying them back for what they've given to me, you know? Was there any resistance? Like, was she ever saying, Oh, can you not say I was on Fitbit or anything? Was there things that she didn't want you to include? There were very little things. Um, to which I totally obliged, okay. <laughs> um, and, you know, with my editor's permission, Sure. um, very small things that to her, uh, mattered and they, I, I didn't totally understand why, but it, you know, when I pressed her on, you know, they didn't matter to me at all, um, or to my editor at all. And so, um, I think that's something that, you know, we wouldn't have, we, we wouldn't do that if I was writing about like a, you know, a famous 40 year old, right. <laughs> but we're talking about a completely private yeah. person who's a minor who has been through trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I feel like that person deserves a little bit more say in their own story. So were there any like really difficult decisions you have to make when you were doing the final edit of the piece? Were there things you had to leave out that you thought were really good? No, the difficult decisions were more, you know, how much do we, because they were, they were like very open with me. Right. And I I wanted to be careful to protect them is not the right word, but to be careful that I wasn't exposing something that she would later come to say, you know, when she turns 18 and is applying for college, that she would later be like, I need you to take the story down, you know? Right, right. Um, again, the story's not for them, but but I don't, you know, I don't want to get in the room. She's incredibly smart. She go to Harvard or something. I certainly don't want to be the person in the way of that. So, and we were, we were using their full names, um, and that was decided early on and they were okay with that. So I just, it just, it was being extra careful. You know, we didn't name where she goes to school. Um, we didn't name any of her social media accounts, like the actual usernames, um, so that people couldn't go and find her. Um, I mean, certainly, you know, using your full name. Right. There's always a little bit of that, but they were completely, you know, every, every decision like that, we sort of, uh, left to her dad and explained, mm-hmm. you know, this is, this is what we usually do. This is what we could do. What are you comfortable with? That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the story, when, when it came out, what, what, what kind of reaction did you get overall from readers and, and people that checked it out online? Um, people, I got a lot of uh, responses from parents, um, which is good because, um, I think those are the people who need to be paying the most attention. (laughs) Yeah. Um, a lot of people saying, oh, this is so scary to me. I think people with younger kids said it was scary to them. 
um, because, uh, and then people with, with kids around that age were mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is how it is. And, <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't really stop everything, but we're trying, you know, and then I got a lot of people asking me like what to do, which I think is <laughs> uh, worrisome. Cause like, I like, I don't even have a pet. Um, <laughs> right. I do plants. Um, so I, I did not feel like I was in any position to be giving people parenting advice. Uh, yeah. And then of course there were some, there was some reaction in the comments and that kind of stuff from people who were like, kids, these kids are so, you know, selfish and they're all going to turn out to be robot morons. And I, I think those are people who don't have kids right. <laughs> or don't talk to kids. Um, cause I, I don't think that's true at all. Right. How about Catherine? What was her reaction to seeing the final story? So I have very little reaction from her, um, uh, which at first made me very worried. <laughs> um, you know, um, I think I think there's nothing you can do, even though I went through the whole story with them. I don't think there's anything you can quite do to prepare to, like, see your life splayed out on the Sunday front page of The Washington Post. Um, uh, so I talked to I got a message I got a, a message from her dad basically that said you know like lots of excitement here and um we're really glad that you went through the story with us ahead of time and, and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um and then I you know sent her a message of thanks and she didn't text me back which honestly is like what ha- that would happen all the time when we were reporting I was mm-hmm. constantly like I know you're on your phone <laughs> but um but um, but then eventually she actually um, posted one of the photos from the story on her Instagram. Huh. Uh, and so that actually made me feel really good because I was like, OK, she must be like kind of think it's kind of cool, you know. <laughs> wow. Well, it's a fantastic read. Uh, and I really appreciate you taking time to talk about it today. So thanks again for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much for for having me and talking about this. Um, like I said, we are still working on this we're going to do um i think two more stories in the series um so if anybody has any ideas or anything <laughs> that they like want us to seriously though like because you know as as much as i uh, we're trying to kind of figure this out i still feel a little bit out of touch and parents and people are, are the are the ones seeing it so um definitely my email is jessica.contrera at washpost.com please don't hesitate to um shoot some ideas our way because we, we want it to be uh, a really good finish so all right i love it all right thanks again jessica i really appreciate it yeah thank you Thanks so much again to Jessica Contreras for coming on the podcast. I wanted to touch on a couple final thoughts on this piece. First of all, there was something Jessica said during our interview that really struck me. She said, there's really no stopping them from growing up faster than was possible before. And I think if anything summarizes in a nutshell what not only the story, but the series at the Washington Post is about, it, it, it could be very well that idea. Um, and as a parent of two little girls, it's something that I think I think about all the time. And, you know, you, it's easy to be of two minds at this. On one hand, you can be the grumpy old man shaking his fist at a cloud and being angry that the world is changing and the technology is changing and that kids are exposed to stuff that is very different than when we were younger. Or you could try to be a parent who decides how to best help your kids 
manage and deal with this technology that it's going to be unavoidable. And except the fact that they're going to be exposed to things that people weren't exposed to 20, 30, 40 years ago because everything's at their fingertips on little devices that they can keep in their pockets. As Jessica mentioned, this is part of a series called The Screen Age at the Washington Post. And I'll provide links to all the articles in the series uh, in the show notes and at nonfictionpodcast.com. One of those stories, by the way, also by Jessica Contrera, and I should have asked her about it on the show, but I didn't, uh, could have easily been the focus of this episode because I think it's as good as this article in many ways. Um, It's called And Everyone Saw It. And it's the story of a girl who shares a photo of herself with a boy uh, and then he puts it on the internet or shares it with other people and all the fallout and ramifications of that. It's uh, it's a really compelling, gripping, devastating story. Um, But I think one that really looks at another side of what it means for kids that are connected in this way today. That's it for this week. Thanks so much again for listening. If you have a minute, please go to iTunes, rate the show, write a review that will help more people find the show in the future. And I really, really would appreciate that. Until next time, this is Matt Pusateri, and thank you so much for listening to the Nonfiction Podcast.